My name is Greg, uh, as most of you know, um, pastor here at Grace Community Church, and we're in our series on Proverbs, and uh, we actually changed our, our proverb focus this week uh, to take a, di- a different angle with it. We want to talk about the future, because there's a lot in the Proverbs that talks about our future. And um, before I get into the particulars from the Proverbs, I just want to give you kind of a uh, an illustration that's, that I've probably shared something similar to this before, so bear with me. But I, when, I think about, when I think about fears and I think about something in the future that really could be really good, but, it, it, but fear kind of paralyzes us, I think about swimming. I think about swimming. Um, I grew up uh, swimming since I was very young. My dad was a captain of his high school swim team. Uh, we always had some kind of a swimming pool in our in our in our home, and um, and I took lessons from a very early age. Summers were you know just incredible memories spent around the water, playing with my brothers, praying with neighborhood kids, and uh, by my high school, my my high school actually had a swimming pool, so I had a lot of training, and I had gotten my WSI by the time I was in high school. So that means water safety instructor which enabled me to not only be a lifeguard, but to teach swimming and to coach, when I was in college, coach swim teams. And so, uh, so that's, swimming's really something that was very dear to my heart. But, um, and by the way, in all the decades of being a swim instructor, I don't think I've lost anybody yet. I don't, have, I don't think nobody like died or anything on decades of working with, with people around the pool. And I think that we, we know, you know, you can read, you can tell me some story about somebody who did, but I've never seen that happen in any of the pool situations I've ever been involved with. But um, occasionally I get the opportunity to still teach, and, um, but I'm only as successful if people trust me and if they'll listen to me. If they won't listen or they won't trust, I can't help them. You know, I'm, I'm pretty limited on what I can do. Um, but in, even in my recent years, you know, with my grandkids, with some friends, with some of my son-in-laws, I got to see people who really weren't very good swimmers or not swimmers at all now loving being around the swimming pool. And they get, they get to enjoy a future of, of pools and swimming. Um, and I get it. You know, I know that people have had horrendous things happen in the past or they've read stories or they know somebody, something happened to them. So I understand, I understand that, and so they won't get in the water. But, you know, it makes me sad because you're missing out. You're missing out on a future thing that could be really, really fun, and you can join in with lots of people and have a great time. Now, I use that example not because I'm recruiting for swimming lessons right now. <laughs> Someday, maybe. But not today. Um, but something that has such potential for joy and blessing in your future can be sabotaged by our fears and by our concerns. And, um, you know, I have some pictures here for you. You know, you can, you can coax somebody to kind of get in the pool with you, you know. Um, but, you know, if they're terrified, you know, they're not going to get in with you. <laughs> they're not going to enjoy that, you know. Even when you're older, you know, you mightn't feel like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? But, you know, someone to, to, to address their future enough or their fears enough that they usually can, you can break it down, you know, swimming into really small little steps 
and you just take little steps of faith and you can actually kind of work through a lot of those things if you, if you take those steps of faith. So you get, you get these next pictures here. You can actually learn how to kick and, you know, while you're holding on to the side, you know, and you're doing that, you can jump off things like this, you know, and like, go ahead, it's, it's going to be fun, you know, do it, you know. And then they don't want to do it there, so you get them down lower and lower and lower and lower, so they're just jumping in like a foot, you know, or something like that. But once they've done it, like, you can't keep them from jumping off things. They just want to do that, and they have a great time. So it, it's, it's really good to do that, and they're glad they did, and now they enjoy swimming, and they really look forward to swimming. So you've got, you know, kids who enjoy swimming. You've got, you know, adults that, well, you've got more kids that enjoy swimming, and then you've got adults that enjoy swimming. You even have some of those adults, you know, they've even win, record, they even win races or something like that. You know, this guy looks like he just got the gold medal, I think, for his age group. But thinking about our future can be like facing the fears of water. Again, you, you might have real reasons. You're concerned. You've had your experiences. You've read reports. You've heard stories. And you know what can go wrong. And, you're, and you think about that. And you feed that into your soul. That, that goes into your mind and your soul. But regarding our future, God wants us to know that he's the one who's got your back. He's the one who's in control. He knows what's ahead much better than any swim instructor, you know, or any, any licensed lifeguard or anything like that. He's the one who really does have your future in his hands. He's good. He's powerful. He's aware. He's faithful. And he's worthy of our trust. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, a familiar verse says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God wants you to know that he's got, he's got plans for you, good plans for you, for a future and a hope. And so... The big idea as we look through our Proverbs today, and I add a few more verses in, but primarily from the Proverbs, the big idea is that the righteous flourish as they rely on their sovereign Lord. The righteous flourish as they rely on the sovereign Lord. But if you'll join me, let's pray first before we look at these verses. Lord, each one of us is aware of the reality of difficulties in front of us. We're all aware, Lord, of our vulnerability. We're aware of, this, of the stakes. The stakes are high in, in life, and the consequences are real. But, Lord, you don't want us to live in fear, and you don't want us to be paralyzed in this life. You want, you want your people to know that you're there. You've proven yourself, Lord, that even when we were sinners, you, you came for us. You've promised to never leave us or forsake us. You've given us your word to remind us of truth, and you've given us the testimonies, Lord, that fuel our hope. So, Lord, as we look at these 
Proverbs, this practical wisdom of how we're to think and how we're to act. I pray that you'd help me to communicate clearly, consistently with your truth in the way that serves your people. And I pray that you would guide us in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at three points from our study of the future from Proverbs. And the first is a question. First question is this. Who should be afraid? Who should be afraid? And I think you'll see as we look through the Proverbs that it's pretty clear what, you know, consistently the wisdom of God says. Who's the ones who's supposed to be afraid? And so Proverbs chapter 14, verse 11 says, The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. I love the word flourish here. There's other words we're going to see here in terms of what happens to the righteous. But flourish has more than just you're protected from getting hurt. The righteous are going to flourish. They're going to be prosperous. Their, their life is going to be blessed and good. Proverbs 10 says it a little bit different way, but the same thing. Proverbs 10, verse 24, 25 says, What the wicked dreads will come upon him, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the tempest passes, the wicked are no more, but the righteous is established forever. You know, the wicked, they, the things that they're afraid of happen to them. But it says that the righteous, their desires will be granted. You know, when, when the, the troubles fly through, the wicked are gone, and the righteous are still standing. They're still established. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 7 says, The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. Proverbs 12, 21, No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Trouble for the wicked, no ill for the righteous. Proverbs 13, 21, disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. So if, if, you know, here are the the sinners, it says, you know, disaster is chasing after them. But the righteous are rewarded with good. Now, you might say to me, but yeah, but what if you're not righteous? You know? <laughs> I mean, my life isn't, you know, I'm not always doing what God says to do. I'm not living the way I want to live. I, I'm, I'm consistently falling short. But this, the, the wonderful thing about the Christian's life is uh, this truth that we have in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 21, it says this. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he, God, the Father, made him, Jesus, sin on our behalf, so that being a Christian, being in Christ, being in him, we are considered... We are, it's considered from God's perspective that you are the righteousness of Christ. That the righteousness of Christ has been accounted to you. 
Now, I don't know if this is new or just a, something that we need to continue to remind ourselves of. But if you think that Christianity is about earning your righteousness, you've kind of, someone's kind of not directed you to the reality of that nobody's sinner. Excuse me, nobody is righteous, not even one. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 3. There's none righteous, not even one. And that's why in God's mercy, God's grace, Jesus came. He came because no one was going to earn a righteousness where God could bless them. Nobody is going to deserve the blessing of God. All of us were wicked. But in God's mercy, God's grace to you and to me, he sent his own son. And Jesus said, my father didn't make me do this. I did this of my own free will. He came to live a perfect life, to actually earn a perfect righteousness while he on, on, on the earth. He lived a life where he was tested and tempted in all things and yet without sin. He came on a rescue mission because he said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when he went to the cross, it was intentional. He was born for that purpose. John the Baptist said of him earlier, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth, of the world. And if you would put your hope in him, if you would not trust in your goodness or your religion or your background or your family or whatever you would be tested, tempted to, to trust in, if you would put your hope in him, you would not perish. You would have eternal life. And if you've never heard that before, or if you've never put that in, if you've never taken a step of faith because of that, let me encourage you that it's very clear here that the righteous are going to be prosperous and blessed and protected. And those who are not in Christ, they're the wicked, and they will experience the punishment and the wrath, and, the, and even in this life, the difficulties of life that God doesn't intend for you. God doesn't desire for you. John chapter 16, Jesus said this. He said, I've said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Yes, here in, the, in this life, there's tribulations, there's difficulties. But he says, I'm telling you these things about myself so that in me you'll have a peace, and I have overcome the world. Speaking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What are we going to eat, and what are we going to drink, and what are we going to wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but this is what you should seek. This is what you should be concerned about. This should be the thing that you occupy your mind in. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So there is something that we should be focused on, but it's not on our safety, welfare, provision. He says, your father knows you need these things. The people who have no God, the Gentiles, they're, they're spending their time worried about those things. Don't you worry about that. You think about the kingdom of God, what it is that would honor God, what would please God, what would, would further his purposes, 
would further his gospel, would further his name. Think about that and your righteousness, not that you need to earn your righteousness, but what, how would God have you live this life in light of his righteousness? So you might be hearing these verses. It's pretty clear from our section here. Who should be afraid? Well, you've got the wicked are going to be destroyed. The wicked dreads what's going to happen to them. You know, the wicked are overthrown. The wicked uh, are filled with trouble. Disaster pursues the, the sinners. Yeah, I think I know the answer to this one. <laughs> they should be worried. The righteous or the upright will flourish. The righteous, their desires will be granted. They're established forever. They'll stand. They, uh, no ill befalls them. The righteous are rewarded with good. Seems like a pretty good answer. We, you know, this one should, we should pass this test. But you might say to me, well, Greg, then why, why do bad things happen to good people? And that's a huge topic in itself. So we'll talk about that sometime. Booker, come and come and talk to me. But I'll give you a couple thoughts. A couple thoughts. Philippians 1.29 says, It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Did you ever think about that before? That God, God's default is to just bless the righteous and do good to the righteous. And give them their desires. That's, that's his default. So all the Proverbs are like, bang, this is, this is pretty, pretty straightforward. But then you think, well, what about Job? Job had a special assignment from God for his glory. What about Jesus? Jesus had a special assignment from God for his glory. And the scriptures say it's been granted to, you, to some of you not only to believe in him, but actually to suffer for him. And you know what? Just like Job will be rewarded, just like Jesus is raised to the highest name above all other names, there will be, there will be a blessing in eternity as well, as well as the glory of God will be seen. You know, we see, we see people these last couple of weeks on the news you know, the president of Ukraine, like saying, "Yeah, I don't want to ride home. I need some more. I need some more weapons." And the whole earth is impacted. Like, wow, he's willing to die for what he believes in. He's willing to die for people. He's willing to give up his life. You know, everybody, everybody sees that. Or when they see that, their response is, "Wow, that is cool. That is really cool." But if a Christian has to suffer a little bit, they think, "Oh, what a tragedy." How could this be? How could this happen? Well, it's been granted for your sake that some of you will suffer for the name, for Jesus. Some of us will suffer for that name. Not because God's angry. Not because God's punishing you. It's because God, will, God is going to get glory for it and he will reward you. And your life is not even here. Our life is, is hidden with Christ in God. Jesus, speaking of himself in John chapter 12, said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. 
But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He's speaking about himself. Unless a grain of wheat dies, it's just by itself. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And then he said after that, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Jesus said, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, he'll pick the time for that. And he will, he will give an incredible amount of grace for whatever suffering that might be. And I'm not saying we should seek to suffer because today has enough troubles of its own. We don't need to seek suffering. But in light of a call to something greater than just this world, something that is going to last for all eternity, and the fact that we've already been given eternal life, God says there's a a privileged few that will actually suffer in this life in spite of the fact that my default is to give you your desires, to give you blessings. And again, some of you might say, could I opt out of this opportunity? (laughs) Could I I opt out of that? He still knows your frame. So who should be afraid? The righteous should not be afraid. The wicked, the wicked should be the ones who should be afraid. And who's in control? Next slide. Who's in control? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. You know, God is our protection. He's our strong tower. And the righteous, you know, they know when they need to run, and they run into him, and they're safe. They run to him, they run, and they hide in him. Proverbs 15, verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So nothing is happening anywhere around you that God isn't fully watching and paying attention to. God's sovereignly orchestrating, knowing, involved with all the, all the pieces that are moving right now and the things that are happening and all the evil and all the good that's happening, God's involved in all those things. That's because he's God. We can't fathom that. Proverbs 3.26 says, the Lord, the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. There's snares out there. There really are. But the Lord is the one you you put your hope in because he can keep that from happening. He can keep you from being caught. He can protect you. He's a confidence that we have. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Sometimes we make our best plan. It's still not a right plan, and so he kind of redirects our plans. All of us have plans that need to change. All of us have things that we think would be like, this is the best, Lord, if you really love me, you'd give me this. You know, you would give me this path. I love years ago when we were doing the Alpha course, Ruth, Ruth Graham said, you know, she said, I'm really glad that the Lord doesn't always give me what I ask him for because I would have married the wrong man. 
several times. <laughs> God's not always going to give you what you ask him for. But he's going to give you what's good. Um, I lost my place. Which one did I just do? 16.9. See, I need you all. I need you too. Proverbs 9.11. Proverbs 9.11 says this. For by me your days will be multiplied and your years and years will be added to your life. You know, your lives are not cut short because you're, you're following God. They're actually extended. They've actually been extended and years have been added, generally speaking. And I love, I love this next verse, Proverbs 31, 25, and 30. It's talking about the, the, the woman, uh, the Proverbs 31 woman of virtue, the godly woman here. It says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And the whole, the whole section is about just how she orders her life, how she lives her life, how she's diligent, how she's involved in good works, how she's giving herself to caring and her family and, and others around her. And it says, this woman's clothed with strength and dignity. And she fears God. And so she, some translation says she smiles at the future. Some people, some say she laughs at the future. I want to be like that Proverbs 31 woman. I want, to, I want to be laughing at the future. I want to be like, hey, you think this is bad? I'm, going to, I'm just excited to see how God's going to work this one out or what he's going to do with this. And I think peace and joy are really something to be aspiring to in the midst of difficult times because it so stands out. It so sticks out. When someone's brave and has peace and has joy, that just says you see something that we should all be seeing. You see someone bigger than what's in front of you. So who's in control? We have a sovereign God who's in control. He's, he's there. He knows things. He's in control of those things. And we, could be, we can be laughing and smiling at the future, no matter what it looks like. And thirdly, the third question we have is whose plan has hope to it? You know, hope, we've talked about hope is not like, I hope something happens. I hope so. I hope things work out, you know, and I hope we don't have World War III or, you know. You know, that's how we would use that word. But the word hope in the scriptures has the idea of a faith in future good. Faith that grace is going to be there. Faith that God is, is going to work something out in the future. Hope is about the future, and it usually extends based on what you know about God, what his word has promised you, what's happened, and you're taking that and you're saying, well, if that's true, then things in the future, there's going to be grace there for whatever comes. And that's what God wants us as his sons and daughters to have. We, we should have a confidence about the future because he's either shown it to us in his word He's shown us things about himself in, his, in our past, or he's given us promises about how he's going to be with us in that situation, how he's good and he's in control. I, when I grew up, I've shared this before, my parents were not believers, 
But we, we like, without thinking about it, we would say this prayer before our meals. You know, God is great, God is good. Now I thank him for food. By his hand we must be fed. Give us the Lord our daily bread. We rip that off all the time, you know. <laughs> but I've gone back and think about that. You know, God is great and God is good. And if I believe those two things, I would have a lot more peace and joy in my life. Because God is bigger than what's in front of you. And he's good. He causes things to work together for good. And he provides for us too. But I, I think that, you know, if we could, if we could get a hold of, of who God is and what he's promised us, then I think we're going to function very well as we move forward in, 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 our, in our lives together. Proverbs 23, 17 and 18 says, Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there's a future, and your hope will not be cut off. So we're tempted to kind of follow the way of other people, like put our trust in what they put their trust in, like, you know, our government, the strength of our country, our bank account, you know, the last health report we got, you know, we want to put our, we want to be like other people who put their hope in these things. And just in case God doesn't come through, we got our backup plan to make sure that we're going to be okay, which is, sounds really stupid when I think about that. <laughs> Don't envy the sinners. Man, they, I wish I had that or their bank account. I wish I had their house. I wish I had this, their health or whatever but continue in the fear of the Lord. And that idea of continuing the fear of the Lord implies to me that you can kind of be fearing God and trusting God at one point, and then time goes on and you're kind of like, nah, I don't know, and you start trusting in other things. So continuing the fear of the Lord means that it, we're going to have to exercise faith every day and for sometimes every hour and other times every minute to trust God, to follow God, to obey God. Surely there's a future and a hope, he says. Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Proverbs 18, 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. We looked at this one last week, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You know, this is going to be a, this is going to be a, a this is going to be a wrestling for our hearts. This is where our hearts are affected by what you put into your mind. Do <laughs> you know that? Like, if you think, well, I, you know, you've got a lot of faith. You know, I wish I had faith. Well, faith is like a muscle. You've got to build it. You got to build it. You got to exercise it, and you got to you got to you got to work it. <laughs> you know, just like I was talking about this. Those who, who can't swim don't, are afraid to swim. You, you've got to start from where they're at and you build faith step by step. And you take a truth, take an opportunity, and you take a step of faith. And you get success and, you, and that builds your faith. And then you take another step of faith that may be a little bit more difficulty. God's testing some of your faith. But what, what you put your mind on affects, affects your faith. You know, if you listen to all the fears, if you just fill your mind with talk radio and news and media and all those horrible things out there, 
you know, remember what happened when they, you know, when they were scouting out the land in Egypt and they came back with all these bad reports and everybody was terrified? That's going to happen to you. Because you're filling your mind with all the terrible things. But if you filled your mind with the, the testimonies of God and the promises of God and you take your thoughts captive and you put your mind on what God says and what he promises and like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you remember the testimonies of God. You remember how God came through for you. You put your mind there, then your faith starts to grow because faith comes by hearing and especially hearing the word of God. So we have the opportunity to be men and women of faith because we, we have the opportunity to take those thoughts captive. And what am I going to focus on? What am I going to camp on? What am I going to believe? God says this. My experience tells me this. God says this. The news says that. Who are you going to believe? Let God be true and everyone else a liar then. We can grow in faith. We can grow in faith. But as a, as, a, as a swimming instructor, I can't help somebody who won't believe what I say or trust me when I say you're going to be okay. I can't help you. And if God's word tells us something, knowing it is not the same as believing and stepping out on it. If you know these things, Jesus said, you'll be, you're blessed if you, if you do them. We're deceived if we think that hearing is the same as believing. It's not. It's not. And we already looked at, like, who should be afraid? If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be the one. Not just a super spiritual. You shouldn't be the one. You should not be terrified by those things. Do I understand the feeling of fear? Absolutely. Fear is, fear is very human. <laughs> you know, fear is very real. But, but letting that fear control you is not, is not, is not necessary. You know, I, I bet you a lot of those people who are fighting right now over in Ukraine are feeling afraid. But not everyone is letting that fear control them. Let not your heart envy sinners. You know, the Bible says that our hearts are the place that we're going to be, where our decisions are coming from. And we've got to inform our hearts with God's truth. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We just shared that. Proverbs 24, 14. Know that wisdom is such for your soul. If you find it, there will be a future. Your hope will not be cut off. First. Chapter 10, verse 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. You know, again, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not feeding your mind with truth, if you're not feeding your mind with the with word of God, if you're not getting your knowledge from here, you're going to be leading other people astray too. This is, this is where we need to look for our answers. This is, this is how we grapple with the real issues of life. Where there's no guidance, chapter 11, verse 14, where there's no guidance, people, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. You might say, I don't know the Bible. <laughs> I'm a young Christian, or I've never really spent time in it. Well, then get yourself some good, you know, get yourself some good counselors around you. 
Find people who you want to imitate their life and follow their example. You know, if there's no guidance, if you don't know where you're going, you're kind of winging it, you know, as, as life goes on, you're going to fall. But in abundance of counselors, there's safety. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. 20, verse 18, plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. So God wants us to be men and women who look at the future with hope and faith. And this is what's going to tell us the truth that we're going to need to hold on to. And sometimes you're going to be over your head. And you're going to need help. And you're going to need counselors. And that's why God has placed us in a church. That's why he's put us in a body. Because we really, really need somebody to pick us up when we fall down. And we do. We will. That's okay. Don't feel condemned if you're struggling in faith. That's okay. That's, that's part of the growth process that we all have. We're all in that. And we need one another. But let's not throw away the tools and the resources and the people that God has given us to protect us and help us so that we can smile the future, so that we can have peace for life. Proverbs 16, verse 13. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. We're not going to make perfect decisions. We'll make mistakes along the way. But you have a heavenly father that cares about you. He, he said, you know, Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. God's glad to give you blessing. He's, he's happy to protect you. He's happy to care for you. He's, he's glad to pick you up and forgive you. But because we have a righteousness that's been given to us doesn't mean that we don't want to lean into him and rely on him in this life because to the degree that we follow him and serve him, trusting in him, all those things bring also these blessings of the righteous as well. Again, the big idea is the righteous flourish as they rely on the sovereign Lord. So, if the worship team will come on up. We live in a time of uncertainty. You know, Mark did a great job of kind of bringing both songs to minister to that reality uh, and even mention many of these things. But, you know, we, we, we live with COVID now, you know, unrest in our country, our world. You know, people are throwing out World War III statements, financial you know, portfolios crashing. <laughs> doesn't look good. Looks like the end of the Bible, though, doesn't it? I mean, that's kind of fun to think about. It's got to think about, hey, maybe we're, maybe we're closer than we thought. You know, that's, that's kind of exciting. Hey, the worst that can happen is we're going to go to heaven, so don't, don't get too sad. <laughs> you know? But it's a tough time. And we can live like those who have no hope in God. We can, we can live our lives like the people who don't have God to trust in. But that, the reality of that kind of life is um, protect yourself, play it safe, and have no peace. But if we trust the one who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, um, 
And we know, we know his heart towards us because he proved it for us at the cross. He proved it for us at the cross. If you shake, if you get, if you get shaken by what's happening to you, you just, you know, Jesus said you, you need to think about the cross and the resurrection. You need to think about that. That's, that's, that's your touch point when you're being shaken by circumstances of life. Like, how, how will he not also with that graciously give you all things? And you and I don't understand why it's happening to what's happening and what's happening to us is happening in a way, but, but go back to what's solid and we know about him and where he told us, go back here and trust me because of this. We are called to be strong and courageous, to live as men and women of faith. And God asks us, calls us, you know, pleads with us to listen to his voice. We see that through the Proverbs all the time. And not to fear man and not to fear tribulations, but to fear him and to lay down our lives and follow him. That being said, you know, today we have another opportunity to trust him. You know, we've talked about this Advancing the Mission Pledge Fund and like, okay, that's maybe of your life, that's a little sliver of what's going on in your life. And I understand that. But God has called us as a church family as one to serve him and to prepare for opportunities to serve him going currently now with our generation and, and if he tarries in time to come. And money is so, isn't that, money, as much as we hate to think about it or talk about it, you know, it, it really is something that really is so close to our heart. And Jesus called that out very specifically, said, you can't love these two things. can't love money and me. <laughs> Not going to happen. You're going to hate one and love the other. You're going to serve one, despise the other, but you're not going to be able to love them both. So in his kindness, I think he, he exposes that a lot of times. And so, as I said, we have an opportunity today. Um, hopefully, you've had a chance to seek the Lord and to, to pray. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got to share the story of how God led us here, the people that he put together, that he's continuing to add to us, and preparing us, you know, for, for future ministry as we have opportunity. You've had the opportunity here, this, this, this journey we've been on for 30 years. And by the way, if you're a guest here today, I'm so sorry that you have to hear us talking about money because I know you don't want that. You don't like that. So this is really, I'm talking to church family. These are people who, who believe that God's called them to be a part of this church. And if you consider Grace Community your church, your church family, I'm talking to you because, you know, we're, we're in this together. And as I was looking back over those previous uh, campaigns, I love I loved the one quote, the one slogan we use, not equal giving, but equal obedience to God's voice. All we've asked for is for you to seek God and ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? That's what we're asking every one of us to do, and that's what I think Jesus would ask us to do. Like, Lord, I'm yours, all that I have. So many have given generously over these years. I want to commend our church family for their example. You guys have been amazing over the years thick and thin, difficulties, trials we've gone through as a church, difficulties as a church. You've been an example of faithfulness and generosity. And we've just closed out last year's campaign. So anything that people give today or pledge this month, 
This is our next campaign. Everything's going to the next campaign for the next year. If everything goes as it has been going, where we pay monthly uh, commitments, we'll be done with this in May of 2025. Maybe Jesus will be back before then. I don't know. We may see if we can get it done before that, but at least, you know, that's, that's the path we're on right now. We believe God has called us to build this building in Kingsville to help us with our mission to make disciples of all people with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Many of those people who started the journey with us have gone to be with the Lord or gone to be in other places. And some of you have come in to be with us, to, to help us, and to work with us, and to join us in what we're doing. He's called us to this work. He's done amazing things over these 30 years. If each of us joins together and seeks God, trusting him, stepping out in faith, giving as he leads, I have no doubt, no doubt that God's going to supply what we need for, for this job. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray and ask God to, uh, to, to speak to you. If you've not brought your, if you haven't filled out your um, pledge card already um, that you may have gotten in the mail, you know, um, hopefully you got to pick one up. I think we still have ushers who I've said, hey, just, just in case somebody changes their mind or forgets or wants to pick one up, they'll have that. If you just put your hand up. They have pens, they have, you know, envelopes as well. Let's not be afraid to do what God says to, to us. You won't, you won't map out a better future by doing what God asks you to do. You won't, you won't regret it. You'll be glad. I know what it feels like to hear God's voice. You know, you hear something and you said, man, that can't be God. But it definitely wasn't the devil because the devil wouldn't ask me to do that. <laughs> Probably wasn't my flesh because my flesh wouldn't ask me to do that either. <laughs> so I, I, I tend to have these senses of, really? And um, let God be God. As we looked last week, it's really to your advantage to be generous and to do what God asks you to do. It really is to your advantage because God... You, you will see an incredible release of God's blessing in your life. And so it's always, always, always better to err on the side of trusting God. Because <laughs> he's not going to hang you out there to dry. Anyway, I want to pray for us. If you need a pen, you need a you know, card, raise your hand. Um, do we have a slide up there? Yeah. If you want to give, if you, if God, as God leads you to give... Um, you can go online if you, if you have your phone here with you or whatever, to gracecommunity.org. Um, there's a pledge envelope that we just talked about. There will be some ushers on the way out. Don't be intimidated by them. You know, they don't know whether you did online or you, God said no to you or something. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you know, but you can drop that in as you go out. There's a, a box, I think, outside also if you, it takes you more time. You know, but we're going to just take a few minutes. And if you need to talk with your spouse or your family, please do that. We've asked, we, we really want to, we really like to ask God to, you know, speak to us all today. And so, 
let's see if he does that. Let's, let's trust him for that, because I think he will. Also, you can email Marilyn. Is that on there, too? Marilyn's our bookkeeper, so if you're making a pledge, um, you can pledge if you've not done it on here or on, at Grace Community, you can actually email Marilyn, Marilyn at gracecommunity.org with your pledge amount. She's, she sees your stuff anyway because she's the bookkeeper. <laughs> you could do that. So let me pray and then we'll take a few minute, minutes. Lord, what a, what a mercy that you would let us participate in your eternal work. And even though a building is not an eternal thing, Lord, it, it, it has given us incredible opportunities to, change, to see lives change, to, to invest, to prepare and equip and send people out, Lord. Um, what a blessing it's been to have this building. And we want to be faithful stewards of all that you've given to us and all that you called us to give. So, Lord, would you please speak to each heart, to each couple, to each individual, Lord, would you, would you give them joy? Would you give them desire? Would you give them faith to, uh, to give today? Or to make a pledge for an ongoing uh, gift? And so we, we ask that you would lead us each during this time. Thank you in advance for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Guests, if you're, if you're here... Um, Thank you for being here. Sorry for this uh, distraction. If you've already made your decision, could you pray for the rest of us who are, who are making that decision now? Would you please take some time and pray for us as we take a few minutes to, to, to do this? So on behalf of the pastoral team, I want to thank you again. Um, I know for some of us, it's like 30 years now. <laughs> and uh, I remember walking around the perimeter with, of this grounds when it was just still a cornfield and praying that uh, the corn that was on, that, on those grounds, that they would represent a life that would be touched in years to come. And you guys are some of the answers to our prayers. And so thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for participating with us. We're so grateful for that. And, um, and thank you for your investment in the mission. It really makes a difference. You know, when we, when we all do our part together, whether it's in service on Sundays, whether it's in ministries throughout the week, you know, as we participate together, we can accomplish all that God has called us to do. So let's make sure that all the glory goes to God. And so if you'll stand, we're going to go out with praise and worship. Again, I mentioned to you as you go out the door, there's an opportunity to drop these if you, if you, if you use paper. Um, and so we'll see you next week. <laughs>